Petition and Assembly. The Petition Clause protects the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. The right expanded over the years, it is no longer confined to demands for a redress of grievances, in any accurate meaning of these words, but comprehends demands for an exercise by the government of its powers in furtherance of the interest and prosperity of the petitioners and of their views on politically contentious matters. The right to petition the government for a redress of grievances therefore includes the right to communicate with government officials, lobbying government officials and petitioning the courts by filing lawsuits with a legal basis. The petition clause first came to prominence in the 1830s, when Congress established the gag rule barring anti-slavery petitions from being heard. The rule was overturned by Congress several years later. Petitions against the Espionage Act of 1917 resulted in imprisonment. The Supreme Court did not rule on either issue. In California Motor Transport Company v. Trucking Unlimited, 1972, the Supreme Court said the right to petition encompasses the approach of citizens or groups of them to administrative agencies, which are both creatures of the legislature, and arms of the executive, and to courts, the third branch of government. Certainly the right to petition extends to all departments of the government. The right of access to the courts is indeed but one aspect of the right of petition. Today, thus, this right encompasses petitions to all three branches of the federal government, the Congress, the executive and the judiciary, and has been extended to the states through incorporation. According to the Supreme Court, redress of grievances is to be construed broadly, it includes not solely appeals by the public to the government for the redressing of a grievance in the traditional sense, but also petitions on behalf of private interests seeking personal gain. The right protects not only demands for a redress of grievances but also demands for government action. The petition clause includes, according to the Supreme Court, the opportunity to institute non-frivolous lawsuits and mobilize popular support to change existing laws in a peaceful manner. In Borough of Daria v. Garnieri, 2011, the Supreme Court stated regarding the Free Speech Clause and the Petition Clause. It is not necessary to say that the two clauses are identical in their mandate or their purpose and effect to acknowledge that the rights of speech and petition share substantial common ground, both speech and petition are integral to the democratic process, although not necessarily in the same way. The right to petition allows citizens to express their ideas, hopes, and concerns to their government and their elected representatives, whereas the right to speak fosters the public exchange of ideas that is integral to deliberative democracy as well as to the whole realm of ideas and human affairs. Beyond the political sphere, both speech and petition advance personal expression, although the right to petition is generally concerned with expression directed to the government seeking redress of a grievance. The right of assembly is the individual right of people to come together and collectively express, promote, pursue, and defend their collective or shared ideas. This right is equally important as those of free speech and free press, because, as observed by the Supreme Court of the United States in De Yonge v. Oregon, 1937, the right of peaceable assembly is cognate to those of free speech and free press and is equally fundamental, is one that cannot be denied without violating those fundamental principles of liberty and justice which lie at the base of all civil and political institutions, principles which the 14th Amendment embodies in the general terms of its due process clause, the holding of meetings for peaceable political action cannot be proscribed. Those who assist in the conduct of such meetings cannot be branded as criminals on that score. The question, is not as to the auspices under which the meeting is held but as to its purpose, not as to the relations of the speakers, but whether their utterances transcend the bounds of the freedom of speech which the Constitution protects. The right of peaceable assembly was originally distinguished from the right to petition. In United States v. Cruikshank, 1875, the first case in which the right to assembly was before the Supreme Court, the court broadly declared the outlines of the right of assembly and its connection to the right of petition. 
the right of the people peaceably to assemble for the purpose of petitioning Congress for a redress of grievances, or for anything else connected with the powers or duties of the national government, is an attribute of national citizenship, and, as such, under protection of, and guaranteed by, the United States. The very idea of a government, Republican in form, implies a right on the part of its citizens to meet peaceably for consultation in respect to public affairs and to petition for a redress of grievances. Justice Morrison Waite's opinion for the court carefully distinguished the right to peaceably assemble as a secondary right, while the right to petition was labeled to be a primary right. Later cases, however, paid less attention to these distinctions. An example for this is Hague v. Committee for Industrial Organization, 1939, where it was decided that the freedom of assembly covered by the First Amendment applies to public forums like streets and parks. In two 1960s decisions collectively known as forming the Nowhere Pennington Doctrine, the court established that the right to petition prohibited the application of antitrust law to statements made by private entities before public bodies, a monopolist may freely go before the city council and encourage the denial of its competitor's building permit without being subject to Sherman Act liability. Freedom of Association Although the First Amendment does not explicitly mention freedom of association, the Supreme Court ruled, in NAACP v. Alabama, 1958, that this freedom was protected by the amendment and that privacy of membership was an essential part of this freedom. In Roberts v. United States J.C.'s, 1984, the court stated that implicit in the right to engage in activities protected by the First Amendment is a corresponding right to associate with others in pursuit of a wide variety of political, social, economic, educational, religious, and cultural ends. In Roberts the court held that associations may not exclude people for reasons unrelated to the group's expression, such as gender. However, in Hurley v. Irish American Gay, Lesbian, and Bisexual Group of Boston, 1995, the court ruled that a group may exclude people from membership if their presence would affect the group's ability to advocate a particular point of view. Likewise, in Boy Scouts of America v. Dale, 2000, the court ruled that a New Jersey law, which forced the Boy Scouts of America to admit an openly gay member, to be an unconstitutional abridgment of the Boy Scouts' right to free association. In Americans for Prosperity Foundation v. Bonta, 2021, the court ruled that California's requiring disclosure of the identities of nonprofit companies' big money donors did not serve a narrowly tailored government interest and, thus, violated those donors' First Amendment rights. The text of this podcast is sourced from the Wikipedia Foundation under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The written text has been altered for voice presentation. To view the modified and original text versions visit thelegalpages.com. The content of this podcast is presented for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be legal or professional advice. The Wikipedia Foundation is not affiliated with this podcast.